0: Actually, that would work out good um, if you guys are on Xbox because I have some back catalog games that are going to take me a minute that um, like Dark Souls 3 I'm going to take my time with for a bit. So, um,
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really up. curious. to, to think, like. Uh, that's one of those games that if I could find for 15 bucks or less, I would have scooped a long time ago. You just can't like it's always like if it goes on sale, it's for like 30 bucks, you know.
0: The only reason I have is because I returned that Call of Duty shit that you guys came with the the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious, too, because like literally the guy like first I tried to return it and the guy's like, no, nah, we, we got can only give you credit. But like because it was such a new game, like it was still like a decent amount of credit to where it was only like a few bucks difference between the used copy of Dark Souls 3. But it was hilarious because, like, the GameStop dude literally opens a drawer. He has like twenty-five copies of bank card. He's like, shucks <laughs> it in there. He's like, God damn it! <laughs> like, <laughs> he like he literally said he was like, you gotta turn it in because this game is not gonna be worth shit in like a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is the most value you're gonna get. <laughs>
1: Welcome guys, gals, and all non-binary pals to Couch Co-op, where me, my friends, Matt, Dave, and I'm Jack. um, We talk about video games, kind of like a book club, but more a hobby that, well, I still play. I don't read books. (laughs) You guys still read books? Anyway, um, today is a very special episode. Uh, Our kind host, Matt, has been uh, generous enough to let me kind of kick things off because it's my favorite episode of the year, and that is our top 5 games. Everything we've played in 2022 narrowed down into just five slots. Um well, a caveat for our audience is that we are poor broke gamers with judgmental wives or um or well, anyway, the bottom line is we can't afford brand new games all the time. So you're going to be seeing a lot of 2021, 2020, maybe even further back. I know Dave, uh, might have a, a blast from the past on his list. We'll see. Um, but the bottom line is we like an eclectic mix of video games. And if you want to hear about some really cool ones, um, we've, we've made our list and, uh, I for one, am excited to share it. Um, before we kick into that though, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing lately. And, uh, I don't know if any of these games will end up on our list, uh, but but uh, let's just go around the horn real quick. And uh, Dave, you want to kick us off? Let us know what you've been kicking around.
2: Oh, uh, buddy, we've been playing some NBA 2K23. Um, yeah, we have. We, we just uh, achieved our first uh, you know, obstacle, which was to beat the Atlanta Hawks uh, <laughs> with the Phoenix Suns. So um, we got our butts handed to us a few times until – we figured out how to like use our characters a bit more. So you forced me to be more offensive, which actually was great with Chris Paul. And I kind of learned to play him a bit more defensively better. And you utilize the rest of the team as Devin Booker and you, you made some pretty dope plays on that game. So uh, that was great fun. And then, you know, some games of battlefield one here and there, uh, Jack kind of caught me at the tail end of a game where I put a lot of effort in. i will try hard and we ended up winning. So, you know,
1: well, 2K is a cool one because if, if you followed our pod for a while, you've, you've probably heard me and Dave talk about how obsessed we were with that game oh, eight, nine years ago. But we really haven't touched it much since then. And so to jump back in and like kind of relive those glory days of couch co-op back in our old Coronado apartments, um, that's that's been really cool. The only difference is we used to dominate. And and now we get dominated, so...
2: <laughs> but
1: it's still a lot of fun.
2: Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been playing. Like, a little bit of new stuff mixed in, you know, with some nostalgia and some of the old classics I like and try-hard modes. So, how about you, Matt?
0: Uh, so, to recover from the uh, Ragnarok uh, hangover, I, I picked up that Just Cause game and talked a bit about last time we got together. Uh, managed to beat it felt really good actually to pull a jack on this one and to like just blatantly disregard all of the like extra bullshit packed into there like it's easily like a 60 hour experience if you go for all the achievements and everything but it felt so good to just like blow right past that. It's like, oh race. Fuck that. I'm gonna just move on to the next checkpoint and blow up some shit. So um it did its job. I mean, it, it was it was hokey, it was cheesy, it's not a great game, but um, you know, it, it was definitely an excuse to like do something with a different engine and help me uh move forward. And then uh I actually picked up uh, Dark Souls three, which is the only from soft of the more modern ones that Um, I haven't played through and um, yeah, you know, as tempting as it was to uh, fire up Elden Ring with the arena updates, I just know that I just get absolutely slaughtered if I tried to. So uh, it's not worth it. So I figured why the hell not, Um, you know, and it's been actually a lot of fun coming into that one now, knowing why I know having played Elden Ring and uh, kind of focusing that on my build. What is your build? Well, I'm actually, probably gonna restart it um now that you bring it up but uh, I went for like a big old brute with a giant club and I was just gonna try to one-shot everything but um I'm realizing like and pretty much what I realized when I was playing through Elden Ring is that my favorite FromSoft game is Sekiro because that's the only one where I really enjoyed the speed and the finesse of it so moving I mean that's basically why I tried to build with my character in Elden Ring and Realizing that that's really all I kind of want to do with this one too, so I think I'm going to go back, start over because I'm pretty early into the game and build a a more speed-oriented character, which is something I never allowed myself to do with FromSoft titles, or specifically the Souls one. So should be fun.
2: Well, you know, I know that you're going to be having extended time off here pretty shortly, so man. there's some itchy part where if you invite me to co-play with you uh in the deep dark pits of night, like I would love to to play that game with you. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: I will definitely extend an invite if I'm uh up and around a decent hour, uh for sure. Um and uh unfortunately I don't think I have as much time <laughs> as you think I have coming up, but um we'll see. We'll see. Uh Jack, what have you been playing, Matt?
1: Well, I got me and the family a little early Christmas present, actually, in the form of uh, Xbox Series X, and I got onto Game Pass Ultimate. Um, so, like, I'm in hog heaven. There is so many games downloaded to my system right now that I'm excited to try out. Um, Game Pass is really damn impressive. Uh, you know, I've had the PlayStation Extra for, for a long time, but... I've played pretty much all the PlayStation exclusives I'm excited about. So at this point, like Xbox just has way more to offer um, in terms of like indie titles, a lot of day one passes they give. Now, that being said, uh, I'm paying 80 bucks for PlayStation X for this year on sale. And I'm going to I mean, if, if you do it, it's almost close to two hundred dollars for the game pass. So it's a significantly more expensive Um, I don't know if I'll stick with it for the whole year, but, um, right now there's like, like I said, there's probably like 15, 20 games on there all downloaded and like three or four of them. I'm really excited about, um, two of which I'm playing right now. Um, vampire survivors, a, um, (laughs) I, I love buying next generation consoles and then buying the most dog shit looking games for them. It's, uh, pretty much habit I've I've gone through ever since I picked up the PlayStation 4 and started playing Don't Starve and Resogun. Um and Vampire Survivors takes the cake. It is so brutally ugly. It's like ultra pixelated. Um but basically you just try and you, you don't even have an attack button in it. The only thing you can do in the game is move your little character across the screen in the direction you want and pick which upgrades you want. And that sounds really boring. But I just played a 30 minute game right before I jumped on, and I killed 48,000 individual <laughs> enemies. and it's really satisfying to just wail through waves of, of these guys. Um, it's got a lot of um, top, best top five picks. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. I like going through all like the video game websites, top fives, and, and this was like a heavy hitter on a lot of them, so excited to finally check it out. The one another game I'm playing is Citizen Sleeper. Um, and this is very different than anything I'm used to playing because basically it's like a RPG, um, but very simplistic graphics. It's all text-based. Um, but they're telling this really cool story about, uh, basically you're a person who's inhabiting a robot body trying to survive on this remote space station and you've got to manage resources um, every day you get, you know, a, a, a amount of dice based around certain factors that you can it, you can pull those die and put them into different activities to try and either fail or complete them, and go around the space station meeting characters. And um, so far, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, the writing's really good, and I'm intrigued to see where it goes. So, um, man, I'm like I said, I'm locked and loaded for games for 2023. Now, all we got to do is finish talking about 2022. Um, And I think that's what we're going to do next. So before we get into our top five, um, a couple housekeeping notes. Um, One, after we talk about our top five, the three of us have all agreed that we'd like to get a little bit more in depth on the year. Because look, me personally, I played almost 50 games this year. And I have like 15, 20 games that I thought were absolutely badass. Um, really deep year, you know. I, um, so to, to kind of only give it five picks wouldn't be doing this, you know, a, a, a good service. So um, we're going to jump more into that after our initial picks. Um, I just had one other thought. I wanted to ask you guys, are there any games that released in 2022? Because like I said at the top of the pod, we don't like paying full price for a lot of our games. A lot of our games haven't been released on other consoles like the PlayStation. Dave, can you can you give me some examples of like maybe something you're, that was released this year that may end up on your top five next year?
2: Yeah, I was actually talking with Matt the other day about having to make a choice between Kung Fu and RC program when I had the Nintendo and I ended up going with Kung Fu and kind of, In hindsight, thought maybe I wanted RC program, but appreciated Kung Fu. So when I saw Sifu this year, that was kind of one of my most immediate thoughts. It's like, here's not Kung Fu 2 or like, you know, Kung Fu, the modern era, but like almost like a game that the creator probably loved that game Kung Fu and was like, how can I build something, you know, that can, you know, like mirror it or parallel it. And I thought, from what I saw in the gameplay, it looks absolutely cool. Um, I've just been so swamped with other stuff this year, but I would really like to check out uh, Sifu. And then, A Plague Tale's Requiem. Like, I've just heard nothing but good stuff about it. And it kind of looks insane. Like, I'm not sure what the premise is, but I'm guessing you can eventually control a horde of rats, which sounds really disgusting cool and power-trippy at the same time, but um yeah, no, that game looks absolutely stunning from what I've seen. And it's got a lot of praise within the industry. So I think those are two games I'd definitely like to go visit.
1: Yeah, Plague, 12, Plague Tale Requiem was a, a game of the year contender. Um, that being said, have you played the original? And um, Because this is the sequel to the uh, original Plague Tale, which I tried playing – some at some point last year and it, it didn't do anything for me it's it's very stealth-based uh, gameplay and that's typically not my cup of tea but uh you can always scoop that off my hard drive if you want to um see see where the story all started
2: yeah no i didn't check out the first game but you know <laughs> some someone described it going from double a AA to triple a and i was like okay my ears perked up there <laughs> so that's that's pretty much one of the main reasons
1: yeah it does sound like this game has a lot more money behind it. Um,
2: yeah, but, you know, maybe checking out the first game would be a good idea
0: before I play the second one. Yeah, uh, Sifu was definitely one of the ones I've been looking for, um, and I'm hoping to either get it on a discount or hopefully it gets added eventually as one of those freebies we get. Um, Ghostwire uh, Tokyo was another one that intrigued me. Um, I not checked the reviews for it, um, I know it didn't blow up, but I just visually, I thought it looked really stunning from, um, what I saw in the trailers. Um, and you know, I'm a sucker for a horror game here and there. So, um, that, that was definitely the ones, uh, there were a lot of disappointments for me this year. Um, to be honest, in terms of titles, I was excited about going in 2022 that I'm finding myself just either not jazzed about playing or, or have heard they weren't great. Uh, Jack Horizon Forbidden West that that was the one based on the way you've described that game it's exactly everything that was fearful it would be and I'm sure it was a great game but I just have no desire to play through it um, I was well, really disappointed here about that
1: Horizon did not make my top twenty uh, but <laughs> I I don't know there's a lot of a lot of gameplay elements in that in that one that I think you and Dave actually might really like. Um, when the price does drop significantly i would recommend it for both of you
0: yeah I, I mean i'm not saying i will never play it but i i definitely was went from a title that i was looking forward to being released in 2022 to one that i have no desire to really pick up anytime soon uh callisto protocol was exciting to me when i first heard about it and i've heard nothing good about it and no desire to really do it and the other one that actually really bummed me out was Marvel's Midnight uh, Suns, which was Firaxis Studio, who does XCOM, and it seemed like such a no-brainer, like, you know, combine Marvel IP with, you know, the XCOM engine, you should have a pretty cool thing, but um both my brother and various critics have just shit all over this game so um it's kind of a bummer because i really do appreciate that engine and and thought it could have been pretty cool to see what they could have done with all sorts of different uh powers but yeah no go
1: i mean midnight suns is sitting on an 82 on open critic that's that's nothing to sneeze at i don't know if you're interested you might want to check it out at some point
0: yeah i i mean my concern with it, though, is that it's not—it's—it's it's not meant for me. <laughs> like it, it's meant for more of a younger generation who's kind of grown up with this whole Marvel wave, and it, it, it's more in line with that. Like, particularly, I've heard there's like a dating simulator component to it, and things like that. So it, it really like. For me, I'm an old man who just wants to play my stupid XCOM strategy <laughs> games, and I don't need all this added, like, superhero bullshit. So, um, that,
1: that is our generation. I mean, San Andreas brought that into the video game culture back when all these uh, youngins were were still were still swaddling diapers. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't necessarily
0: know you can call it a dating simulator when it's this of you either going to a fast food restaurant or pulling up to a woman and honking at her, so... <laughs>
1: It's about as romantic as most of the dates I've been on.
0: <laughs> All right, Jack, what about you? 2022 games you left behind or coming back? Yeah, to- I, I,
1: There's a bunch, actually. I won't get too down the list, but um, a game that's on PC currently. So I don't really have an option to play it. But Curse of the Golden Idol is a um, is a mystery slash puzzle game that's been likened to Return of the Oberdin Um And... I loved Return of the Obra Dinn. I like puzzle games a lot. So I'm pretty excited to check this one out. Um, now that I got Game Pass, I've got access to um, Grounded, uh, which is a multiplayer survival game that Dave uh, has been telling me he's going to jump on with me eventually. Um, so once, once we both have some time, I'm really looking forward to that.
2: I was gonna say I was like, what should I buy? And you're like, oh, I don't know, sometime in the future, you try to act like I'm weighing your ass down. You go and get it behind my back and then it's like pump's taking too long. What is this? <laughs> I
1: thought you were gonna make me play Witcher 3 first, which by the way, I played like 20 minutes of that. That's gonna be a rough go.
2: <laughs> oh, man. It's like uh further down the road. Uh, Your
0: guys' chemistry is perfect for playing the Phoenix Suns this season. I'll just say that.
1: (laughs) Well, um, I'm really looking forward to Neon White, actually. It's um, another um, indie uh, game of the year contender. A lot of my favorite outlets have spoken very highly of it. And basically, um, I haven't played it, but it's a um, first-person shooter speedrunner where you've got to go through these maps as fast as possible using combat as a traversal and it's supposed to be a lot of fun to compete with your friends uh about that's kind of like the draw so dark horse contender for my pick to make everybody play this year i don't think i'm gonna go with it but it's definitely kind of like eh, that that could be that could be something to make these guys compete with me um and matt you wouldn't even have to jump online with it you could just you know you could just compete from your uh your, 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 cave, your metaphorical video game cave. Just know uh,
0: that I play a lot of dog shit, Jack, and I. Depending on your decisions this year, it could go very poorly for you,
2: guys. I'm getting caught in the crosshairs on this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to be whipping shells at each other. I'm going to be catching the flack Come on now.
1: Hey, at least we, at least we're not trying to get you to play some 80 hour RPG that was. Built seven years ago, Dave. Jack,
2: Jack doesn't drunkenly remember saying, that. I would play that if you made it your game of the year. <laughs> and then the next day, I just I drunken. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Drunken. Finally, uh, Tunic. I'm really looking forward to playing Tunic. And that's free on Game Pass. So I'll be checking that out sometime in the next couple months. Um, I think that kind of settles it, guys. Um, so just so our audience is aware, we're going to be doing our top five, counting down from number five um we've played a lot of games the three of us this year we'll kind of cover that a little bit more um after our, our five but i do think you'll see some repetition on our list there in particular there's two games all three of us have raved about throughout the year um so we'll try not to bore you too much with with more conversation about those but um but uh yeah i'm i'm excited and um i'm just gonna pick on dave again and and tell us tell uh, dave why, why don't you uh, get us rolling with your uh, number five game of the year
2: oh man all right my number five game of the year i don't know if you you could probably call it an indie but it's uh it's inscription
1: yeah i uh yeah. you know this is a this was my pick for the year so i'm gonna champion this one uh pretty tough you know I, i'm glad you enjoyed it dave i'm glad i'm glad. You know, maybe you guys won't like Neon White, but I'm glad you liked Inscription.
2: Uh, Yeah, no, uh, I had a great time playing it. It throws you just so much on your feet. Um, I really fell in love with the gameplay by playing Slay the Spire, you know, which is something that, you know, you really got me into. So, you know, though it shares some of those mechanics, it adds so much more to it that, you know, puts it on a different scale of video games than I think I've played in most, uh, you know, games of my life. So, uh, I love the
0: idea of some six-star title, like a, a 10 out of 10 IGN getting knocked off of the top five for Inscription. <laughs> Well-deserved. Uh, no, that, it, that's great. I mean, I, I think that that speaks to the volume of Inscription, that it catches you for such a loop, that it's such a breath of fresh air, that it, it really, that that's its charm to me, was that it was just so different from so many games out there.
2: Yeah, I love the mixed media aspect of it and the fact that what kind of game you're playing changes at times. And then you're kind of playing, an, you know, like a different mix of the same game, that you know, depending on what part of the story you're in. So, yeah, no, it was very fantastic. It keeps you on your toes. I mean, there's some parts where I felt like it was a little tedious, but I mean, that's any video game for the most part. So, but those, those bright moments really shine bright for me. So.
1: Well, Inscription was a game that was originally released last year, but, um, got ported over to the PlayStation in 2022. Um, and I, I was looking forward to it for, you know, a year, um, and spoiler, I'll probably have some more thoughts on it a little bit later on this pod. So, um, I, I don't have too much more to say about it right now. All
0: right On the, I'll go next, uh, for my number five, um, you know, I, this was a toss-up for me. I mean, there were definitely a few that could have gone either way. But um, I, at the last minute, I had to switch it out. It was leaning Astros play playroom or playground playroom. Um, but, no, I, I have to pick Cuphead here. Um, Cuphead was a game Ooh. that, you know, I had shelved for a long time. I, I'm half yeah. picking it. I mean, honestly, what really w- sealed it for me was Dave raving about Astros playroom. But shitting on Cuphead, so I was like, oh, yeah, that that's all I needed <laughs> to know to make that last push, so...
1: Um,
2: Astro's playroom is my number 12.
1: <laughs> when, when Dave had uh, Cuphead on his most hated of the year list, I thought there'd be a pretty good shot that it would end up on Matt's list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I... I You know, I've been dying to play this game for a long time and kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And I'm glad that I finally got a chance to play it. Um, I can definitely understand the frustration component to it. But it's what makes it so, so damn satisfying when you do beat those levels. Um, And it just I love the fact that it's just a pure boss rush, especially with the DLC that came out this year um, that really just like fine tuned I think so much of the engine by the way they removed those those sides scro- those levels and just made it purely about like either the combat or the fun will trials. So, um, big fan of the t- the game. Uh, hopeful that the IP continues to be successful because um, you know I know it took forever to come out, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was an excellent game.
1: Well, I'd have a tough time ranking this one because I did originally play this back in 2018, I think. Uh, But that new DLC they released was new to me, and I thought it was just a lot of fun. The the fact that they encourage you to try out this new character who's got different movesets, the double jump, um, way more light on their feet than the original character. Um, Chalice, I believe her name was. And the bosses and just intricacy of these levels these new levels they added were gorgeous so much going on um and with with your new abilities not overwhelming um but uh, visually just a feast um delicious last course but um yeah i'm I'm really that's cool that ended up on your on your five i mean matt it's no it's no secret that we love boss rushes on this on this podcast. We're we're uh, we're all a fan of those.
2: No <laughs> you're not. You need it to is. play Monster Hunter run before you can say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you're oh well, uh, good boss rush <laughs> battle game. I mean, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, Cuphead. Uh, uh, just, I mean, it's an independent game, but it's just wrapped in this beautiful just, you know, uh, aesthetic, you know, that, that 1920s, uh, style, with great music and crisp, crisp mechanics. Um, good pick, Matt.
0: I was going to say too, one last thing on that one is it set me down a brilliant Reddit rabbit hole of, uh, the game journalist that played it when it came out as a demo for 26 minutes and couldn't get through the tutorial stage. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, From there, I found out that this same game journalist is the one that shit on Mass Effect when it came out. But then they found out he revealed midway through his review that he never allocated any stats into his character because he didn't realize it was an (laughs) RPG. (laughs) So he was complaining about how difficult it was. It was just this amazing like cascade of just like discovering how shitty of a shitty of a gamer this guy was. And so bonus points for Cuphead for me at my number five there.
2: It it's such a beautiful game, but, you know, for someone on the side that didn't enjoy the experience, I, it was just, I mean, I, there's a reason I don't play bullet hells, you know, and that's not quite a bullet hell, but it's along that same vein. And it was just like, so frustrating to a point, you know, I got probably like halfway through it before, you know, the really hard stuff. Well, for me started like shutting me down, but um, the, the music, The character designs uh the way they present the game is just fantastic you know i just the core mechanic of gameplay is not something i'd enjoy
0: well i was gonna say coming to off of getting a chance to play returnal this year um and that being like obviously it's got 3d perspective it's on the playstation 5 so it's got all that going for it but it, it just all the elements that annoyed me about that game were not present in Cuphead. And so that it just like was so much more. It was like, this would be such a more enjoyable experience if it just had the speed and the precision and and everything that comes with that side-scrolling nature of that boss rush. So I I really enjoyed everything Cuphead offered and was thrilled uh, to get a chance to play it this year.
1: Well, you mentioned Astros. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Dave.
2: No, no, go for it.
1: I was going to jump off ship, but move on. But no, no. Like jump,
2: baby. Jump.
1: <laughs> well, Matt, you mentioned Astros Playroom was your, close to your number five this year. Um, it was my number five last year, but last year was kind of soft. And one of the reasons I was really excited about the top five this year is because it, it, it's far from this year. All five of my games are freaking stellar. Um, and my number five is Psychonauts 2. Um this is a game that initially intrigued me because the core gameplay loop is basically you're opening up little doorways into people's minds, jumping in, and then you go kind of inhabit the worlds that they're living in. And um, just the potential for all the different creative world designs was like, wow, this this is going to be really slick and and fun. And it is. But what surprised me about the game is that the thing that really stands out in this game isn't, isn't those worlds. It's fantastic writing. And what I mean by that is whether it's dialogue, whether it's these characters that are incredibly nuanced. I mean, this is a game about mental illness. Um, Yes. It's, it's a game about, you know, in, in parentheses, good guys fighting bad guys. But nothing's that simple it's never one-dimensional everybody has their motives their weaknesses and a big part of that is you know you jump into these people's minds and you see what makes them tick and it's I don't know I was just so impressed by how nuanced the writing was and how could jump from being funny to serious like in the same conversation like in the same sentence you could laugh and be like oh that kind of hits a little close to home you know um it's dealing with serious issues you know mental health but it never feels bloated or like grim so it's pretty damn impressive that they pulled this off and um i mean as far as gameplay there is there's pretty much like a section in the middle that's damn impressive basically you're trying to unlock some of this character's mind and you go from a world where you have to control a bowling ball to tr- traverse the city And then you're going into like this psychedelic, like Woodstock on the next one. And then you go on a game show host where you're competing in a, in a food competition. So it's just all these wild ideas that are getting thrown at you. um, Wonderfully executed. A little bit turned off by the visual style of this game. Took me a little bit to get into. Not all the levels hit, but overall just a, um, if you're if you're a gamer, if you like to try different things, I just think this has so many original ideas and um, maybe the best writing all year in a game in a year that I played some really damn good uh, narratives.
2: What initially inspired you to play this game? Because I recall the first game coming out a long time ago and I just, because you said like the art style wasn't really something that grabs your eye, like it was a game i never played so you know there wasn't really much interest when the second one came out
1: yeah well i mentioned the the core gameplay loop of like jumping into these mines and seeing these worlds was really kind of like what about the game but it ended up on like a lot of best of the year lists um yeah. and i always kind of you know i'm a sucker for critics i'm i'm a <laughs> you know me as while matt you know is the dung eater and just finds his his little gems that are sparkled in between the uh in between the piles, uh, I let, I let others do the dirty work for me. So, um, that's kind of how I, I ended up finding out about this game. I still have not played the original. I don't think I will, you know, um, 20 years is a long time, uh, for, for keeping a video game fresh and current. And I thought they did a really good job kind of describing the backstory in this game. Um, so I kind of, I feel like I know what happened and, um, got to see where the story went. And, yeah, overall, I just play it.
0: I've heard cool. nothing but good things. I, it's probably not a title that I will play, but uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it enough that it made your top five because uh, yeah, I know you've played some bangers this year. So, right on.
1: Plum, you want to take it down to number four?
2: All right. My number four is a game of the year contender for 2022. And <laughs> it's God of War Ragnarok. Um, I, I know this is probably going to be higher on your guys' list. So uh, there's there's some, you know, games above it. But this game, you know, there's a reason why it was in my top five. And But I just think there was just a little tad too much of the puzzle. The puzzle-solving stuff got a little too tedious. And Jack has heard me on the mic with... You know like these puzzles don't really feel all that fulfilling you know they're just kind of almost seem like they get in the way and slow the pace down but um yeah no it, it's a very fantastic game and had some of the games I didn't play this year maybe played them in the year that they came out like and I just kind of mostly played 2022 20, games this would probably be up much higher so um yeah <laughs> I i be curious when it gets to you guys turns like for this fall so
0: um yeah no it, as a reminder to to our long time listeners or to uh, folks who are joining us the first time Dave went through a murderers row of titles in 2022 uh playing some really like classics from multiple different eras so um won't dive into it too much cuz I don't want to spoil anything that he may have on there coming up but Uh, Because of that, there's a very distinct chance that he may have some titles that seemingly should be super high up on his list, a bit lower this year, uh, just as a result of playing so many classics, for sure. Um, So with that being said, uh, because I think it's fairly safe to assume that both Jack and I have it much higher on our list, uh, let's move on to my selection. Um, You know, I'm going to go with Resident Evil Village here. Um, I'll say that with a caveat that I probably think Biohazard in a lot of ways was because I played both this year. I think Biohazard in a lot of ways is a superior horror title, um, but I just had so much damn fun with Bio with Village. And quite frankly, it resurrected my interest in the Resident Evil franchise, which is something I couldn't say after playing through six and pretty much having like cast it aside and forgot all about it. Really is being relevant to me. Um, but those two titles really just drew me back in. Like I said, I thought biohazard offered a lot. It's just a bit dated and the emphasis wasn't as much as in the gameplay, but everything village did was kind of improve it and make it just fun and accessible. And you know, it, it's, it's it was just a blast. So it's, it's dark, but hokey enough that, you know, you feel engaged throughout, you know, it has a few jump scares here and there to keep you. You know, kinda of on the edge of your seat, but at the same time, like you also have some moments where you get to feel real OP, uh, particularly when you're riding around the tank towards the end of the game. So um, but yeah, it, I just really enjoyed it through and through. It was it was a breeze. Like I it was probably a 20-hour experience that felt like it was over in just a couple of days. So uh yeah, kudos to Resident Evil Village.
2: Oh um, Yeah, I I have that on my list, but, like, a little bit past, you know, inscription, but it's such a fun game, and it's actually one where I misunderstood a, you know, addition to this show that Jack had, and I had to think about it, and this game was, like, my answer, and it was, I thought it was, like, what game did we want to revisit later on down the road that we played in 2022, And, you know, my first thought was Resident Evil Village because I do want to platinum this game because, um, one, it can get pretty easy to be OP in the game. So I kind of want to go through a, you know, power trip. (laughs) Like, it'll be fun to smash, like, a hot knife through butter. But, like, this game had just a lot of really cool moments, you know, and just a general, like, first level of, you know, it keeps you on your your toes and stuff as far as your nerves go. And then, you know, as you progress through the game, it kind of changes its pace and its tone, but still nevertheless has a lot of great moments in it. So this almost made my top five. I'll just say that. So.
1: Yeah, I have very similar thoughts to Matt on this one because I, like him, played Biohazard earlier in the year. And um, I, like him, think Biohazard, probably a superior game in a lot of ways. But Village, yeah, just just barely edged it for me. And, um, these games are both really, really damn good. Um, I have them sitting at number seven and number eight respectively on my, uh, best of the year. So look, last year, either one of these games would have been uh, in my number five spot, um, taking Astros playroom. <laughs> um, but, uh, but this year, um, just a lot of damn good titles, but, um, definitely, Uh, Resident Evil Village, I'd recommend it to anybody who just wants to sit down and have some fun and shoot some, uh, not zombies, but werewolves? (laughs) Vampires?
2: And mechanical zombies. You can't forget those guys.
1: All right. Well, uh, moving on, my number four. uh, This game was not on any best of the year lists that I saw, uh, which is a damn shame because it it definitely should have been a, a heavy contender. Um, I played all these like insanely epic games this year. Um, major AAA blockbusters, sports games. We revisited Rocket League, but nothing, nothing gave me the same sense of satisfaction and adrenaline that swinging around as a tiny little neon spider with my buddy Dave did in um a, a little indie title called Spider Heck. Um, this is a you know 2D, very minimal game um really built for like a party atmosphere you have these spiders that swing around the webs they pick up weapons lightsabers rockets um all sorts of other and basically chaos just ensues and and that's really where this game excels is just it is an absolute war zone that will make you cackle with delight it'll make you feel like a badass when you pull some crazy crap out to keep you and your teammate alive as you roll through wave after wave of enemies and um really this game could have been even higher on my list, except for one. I don't have a drunken, debaucherous group of friends to play with. And the online community was really lacking. Um there there wasn't there wasn't one. Um I don't know. Dave, you got any thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, like one, I'm honored that this video you know, before, like I have this a bit lower, but uh I, I had so much fun when you brought spider Heck up. I was like, oh, God, what's Jack dragging me into? Which he drags me into mostly good stuff. So, you know, ultimately, it was, like, definitely worth checking out. And, man, was this a blast. Like, had such a good time. I love the fact that they've got this weird, wide range of weapons. And I'm pretty sure some of this has got to be based off of some other, like, fiction. So, this is, like, some of it is fan service. But you got a staff that shoots is like, homing ball that bounces off stuff and yet you got a lightsaber and then you got this gun that goes through all the different platforms you know including your allies so you know it's definitely a game of chaos like Jack says and it feels so good to be that player that like pulls the team out of the hot water you know because you accidentally like swung your lightsaber as your partner spawned or like hit a grenade as he was spawning and like knocks him off the ledge but Uh, This game is definitely much more fun in a group scenario. Um, It's kind of lower because, like, I just didn't – I played with Jack on it a lot, you know, but, you know, Jack would tell me how he'd be playing with his girls and, like, the excitement he got out of that and seeing them progress. So, um, you know, I think that's something that's super cool about the game too is that, like, you know, two kids can pick it up with their dad and have a really good time at it. So um, we got to wave 51. I think no, wait, fifty-three? I think somewhere around there. And you know, that that was pretty hard. You know, and Jesus definitely blessed us along the way, you know, but uh yeah, there's there's definitely some more higher levels that I think we could achieve if we put a bit more time into it, but who knows?
1: Yeah, I didn't expect this to be on your list by any means, Dave. Um, because like you said, I had the added um it, you know the pinnacle of the excitement was when me and you, you know, relived our glory days. But um, the fact that my four-year-old could jump on this, um, you know, it's, it's the classic, easy to pick up, hard to master game. Um, And seeing her swing around on her cute little webs was so cute. Uh, You know, they always, every time we played together, the three of us would always have to go change our outfits and, you know, put on different hats on our spiders. That was a big part of the gameplay. Um, But, but it definitely added to it that when Malcolm jumped on, he was so bad that, like, <laughs> playing with my four year old daughter, just being able to climb and be like, my four year old is better than you, and, and not <laughs> playing, was it just for a lot of entertainment.
2: And I can verify that as, you know, I took care of him one evening while you guys had to, you know, take care of some business. So I put Spider Hack on. And they've got some talent, more so than Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that that one you showed me the trailers where i didn't end up playing it this year but if i will definitely say it you know had had we been introduced to this game 10 years ago I, that would be the uh every other night over at jack and dave spot <laughs> playing this one until all hours of the evening because uh it looked like it's in that same vein of the hokra tower of fall ascension and uh pole riders just party game of you know that you can play forever and keep going
1: Yeah. I think in that context, it's a 10 out of 10, um, party atmosphere, but look, um, I played a lot of solo. Uh, there's, there's some really cool game modes, um, which let me, you know, get some additional hours out of this game. As far as a party game goes, I don't think it gets much better than this. If, if you're kind of looking for something like this, this is a must pick up. And there was even some single, uh, player modes. I thought were really good in this, not for everybody. Look, I like my weird little indie games, but, um, I had a blast just kind of going solo and trying to work my way through AI, AI opponents. I think the AI is pretty damn good in this game. And well, look, there's, there's some way more esteemed games that are going to be coming up on this list. I'll, I'll pass it off to, uh, to, uh, Dave for his number three, but thanks to our audience for letting me ramble on about spider heck for the last 10 minutes.
2: <laughs> oh, my number three to all the maiden lists. Um, <laughs> just the fact that 2022's game of the year is my number three on my list. Um, pretty much tipped the hat, I think, to Matt and Jack about the last two. But uh still fun either way. But man, uh it it, it was so tough. And I had I really kind of started flip flopping Ragnarok and Elden Ring in my head quite a bit and I put on Elden Ring and kinda like touch base on it and it really just kind of nailed home like how dope this game is. I mean, just the fact that when you step outside and you see that view of the Great Earth Tree and then after you, you know, defeat Margot and, you know, the first level boss and then you step out into the uh, Lakes of Lyurnia, you know, like um, it, it's just so breathtaking, you know? And then as you get further into the game, you know, we'll talk about that later in depth you know, is obviously I think this is going to be much higher for you guys than it is for me. Um, yeah, this game ended up being my number three. So pretty wild year for me, you know, and, like, it'll be fun talking about the last two. But um, since I think this is definitely something that, you know, we could talk more in depth up in the chain, I'll pass it on to Matt.
1: I just got to say I, I really thought this one was going to be in your top two, Dave. Yeah, threw me a <laughs> Threw me a loop.
0: Right on. Um, all right. Well, number three for me, uh, this is where we get into that whole, like the caveat that Jack had mentioned at the beginning of the recording that these are sometimes older titles that we played and it's really specifically games we played in 2022. Um, so my number three on for 2022 is last of us Two. Um, I played this game originally the year (laughs) prior, um, and i actually you know beat it and you know i had mixed feelings at the time but you know um it we have countless recordings where i've said you know part of it was playing it through a covid part of it was through just being a hater and wanting to see ghost of tsushima win game of the year because of all the hype coming out from last of us two um you know part of it was kind of just overblown because of all the bullshit controversies that arose when the game title emerged and just kind of being burnt out on it and a biggest part of it was because jack insisted on playing it when it came out on ps5 and he was insistent on not hearing any spoilers or anything about the game so part of it too was even though we were doing these recordings pretty handedly um i definitely caught myself downplaying a lot of parts that i normally would love to rant and rave about because quite frankly it'd be really unfair to spoil some of those experiences earlier on um no it the thing that really hammered at home for me replaying this game was a, being able to talk to you two fine gentlemen, um, sharing the experience of it to me, it was just amazing because it is that kind of a title. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this spot should probably go to disco Elysium. If you want to get really technical in terms of titles, I actually played new in 2022, but I did replay this one. And I still think that the story is infinitely superior. You know, I, Still think that I enjoyed so many of the subtle changes that they did to um, the characters so much more in hindsight replaying it than I did when I played it through the first time. Um, just because it really challenged me, um, you know, it's really like forced me to have to rethink what I think of certain aspects of these characters, which I think is the highest mark of dr- dramatic cinema or any medium for that matter um there was a movie i saw i watched this year in 2022 probably one of the best ones i watched it's a little known french movie called titan and what stood out to me so much with that movie was i literally wanted to turn it off 15 minutes into it like 15 to 20 minutes into it i actually paused it and told the wife i was like look if we want if you want to shut it off we can shut it off right now because this is dog shit and we both agreed we'll slog through it and it ended up being just you know, mind bender that we both are more so me, but really just by the end of it was very moved by. And um, that to me is the epitome of Last of Us, too. Like, it's like you don't necessarily agree with what you're doing throughout the game, you don't even agree with all the decisions of the protagonist. But the fact of the matter is, you're not there to, to decide that you're along for the ride and you're experiencing this dark, brutal world. And, you know, most games can't afford to give you that. And we'll talk more at length, I'm sure, the few titles coming up with certain plot points and challenges they make, but um I, I owe this title more than you know a number three in a lot of ways, but it needs to be acknowledged on one of my lists for the year end specials, just as how highly I hold this one uh in my pantheon of games.
2: Yeah, I've got I've got some more to say about it later on.
1: This is this is retcon Matt attacking again. I always shuffling his uh his game of the year um Matt I'm just really happy that this kind of um flipped for you because I know you did appreciate it the first time you played but um kind of jumping back in and and it's definitely a game that has a lot more to offer if you can talk to people about it like you said um and so anyway it was my game of the year last year and um I'd you know, uh, you can listen to hours of us talking about this if you go back into our history. So, um,
0: yeah, well, I'll say, too, is like, honestly like part of why I enjoy the the series Last of Us in general is because, you know, you kicked it down to me, Jack. And we used to talk <laughs> about it at work. Like, I think we were the only two nerds who had mm-hmm. played through it at the time. And I think that was the part that really added so much to the experience for me it was just kind of like being able to like share it's like oh my god do you remember this sequence or like or you know holy shit when especially when we both got to the end and we're just kind of both showed up to work with that thousand yard stare of like <laughs> dude <laughs> dude so so there was definitely that added element to it but you're right there there is the retcon aspect too where it's like when i look at like my favorite games it's like You know, do I consider this title vastly superior to Days Gone? Of course. Do I consider it vastly superior to Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah. So naturally, I I need to acknowledge it that it does deserve a place, even though, and it's vastly better. And I played some good titles this year, but uh, it was
1: better than a lot of them. So, well, my number three has already been mentioned Uh, Inscription. Yeah. I chose it as my game for all of us to play this year for a reason. I'd spent a year looking forward to it, reading everything I could about it, and it did not disappoint. Um, I think a really cool thing about Inscription is that it was the first card game that really grabbed me since I'd played Dominion and Slay the Spire a couple years previous. And for as much as I really enjoyed the card game, It was not the reason that, it's not what makes me think about this game. Uh, When I think back to the game, it's all the just like creative choices that the developer made to tell a really um, fascinating story. A story that frankly, I didn't like that much, but the way they tell it is incredible. Um, I mean, they use so many elements of gameplay to build this narrative, whether it's in the uh, bosses that actively um, as you fight them are actively doing things in the background that you may not be aware of. Um, look, it's tough to talk about this game with no spoilers because it's insanely interesting and anything you say about it makes it less interesting. So, um...
2: well, like just, you know, why this is on my number five, you know, was like also like having discovered that certain cards have these like crazy mechanics to them if you play them out you know and one card that I found out has a lot more to it than I ever realized and you guys may have given me the hint was the Ouroboros you know and like just how insane that thing can be if you mash it up with other powers so um, this game is so full of like these weird innovations and like reasons to want to play it again just to see what you can do you know and i feel like that loop is very strong with this game so uh yeah kudos to the people that made this game and wrote it out i like the story i think it just adds even more to this like zany ass fucking story that's going on in the background that you know all this stuff happens on a floppy disk of all things you know so it's just like you know pretty crazy
1: Yeah. One of the most mind bending moments of the year came in this one. Um, and everything in between was just every time I, every time I sat down and played over and over again, I was doing things I'd never done before in any other video game. And, um, the fact that they built just all these really cool ideas stacked upon a core gameplay loop, uh, this card game inscription made it for one of the best experiences of my year. And, um, yeah, I'm very excited to see what uh they put out next.
2: So yeah, I guess just going in my number two then. Um well this one I'm sure you guys have played it. It's not gonna be anywhere on your list. It's GTA five. Um this game just absolutely was such a blast to play. And that's why I put it up above Elden Ring. It's because you know this was a game where you know Elden Ring I would look forward to playing it there's just some points where it's like I I don't have the energy right now so I'll come back to it later but GTA 5 was always I got enough to do like two two like three missions or do some side stuff and see what happens and you know just the amount of moments I've been kind of just like shocked especially with like the mission by the book where I was like laughing but feeling bad for laughing you know and enjoying what I was seeing but you know it's just plain torture and you know just some of the other stuff the satire about the modern world at that time and it you know it's just such such different things going on towards it too like the mechanics at the time you know even though I can appreciate them now. Back then, they must have been somewhat mind-blowing. You know, it's like, how how is Los Santos' this huge thing all moving around when I'm in this tiny little part. You know, and that was something that amazed me is that they were able to get this huge city to actually function for the most part. So, you know, I would just be driving around and you'd see cop car chasing another car. And then I would just follow the cop car to see what happens, you know. and The guy, like, ran into a tree and got out, got in a firefight, shot a cop, but then the other cop shot him, you know, and it was just kind of like, that's dope, you know, like I got to sell that because, you know, I attached myself to this event. So just totally set my aside. I think it's
1: absolutely insane. It took you 10 years to play this game. <laughs> like, yeah, this game 15, came out in
2: 2013.
1: <laughs> talk over and over about all these rock star games, and somehow it took you 10 years to play what is like, maybe the most best-selling game ever uh not sure if it actually has that title or not but it's definitely in the top five
0: you're talking about a guy who platinum red dead redemption 2 (laughs) like you would assume (laughs) if anything is going to to compel you to dive into arguably one of the greatest video games ever crafted immediately after it would be somebody who's willing to Platinum, Red Dead Redemption 2. And yet, for whatever reason, it was on the barn burner. I I guess it was all those monster hunts he had in between.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm actually glad I played it on PS5. You know, I did play a little bit of it on the PS4 and on my PC, but I didn't get through the game. I mostly played some online stuff. And it was just so slow, you know, at the time, you know. And with the PS5 being able to push the engine, you know, no matter how fast I went, I rarely hit any frame drops. So I'm actually pretty glad I played it so late. It's still a very relevant game, but with the modern technology, it's just that much more smoother. So.
0: This was a title that I played because Jack kicked it down to me on his PS3. So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Damn, that is funny. And you know, what's interesting is I think Dave appreciated it more 10 years after it came out than I did when it did, you know, and, and I'd look very highly upon that game, but, um, San Andres is always kind of the jewel in the Grand Theft Auto for me. Everybody's kind of got their own one, Matt. I think you're a Vice City fanatic.
0: I'm a Vice um, City guy. But what I will say is talking to Dave, like it was, I was amazed at how much of it I remember still in terms mm-hmm. of missions and gameplay. Like There was a lot of parts of it that I I assumed 15 years after the fact that I would have just completely gone from my memory. But no, I, like it all came flooding back. So it, it clearly left an impression uh my playthrough of it
1: dave it, would this be like your pinnacle single player gta experience
2: uh considering i played one two and then i played <laughs> grand theft grand theft auto three uh yeah <laughs> this would definitely be the pinnacle of my um what i say it's better than red dead redemption 2 like um that's kind of tough like I feel like they're pretty close to one up in each other in a lot a lot of ways. Like GTA Five has a density that Red right, Dead doesn't have, but I also re, you know, I really respect Red Dead because it's like so wide open and stuff, as opposed to like so close and claustrophobic and crazy. But that's also another impressive part about GTA Five. So in my head, I'm not sure where to put those two if they can one up each other. But um,
1: I mean, same studio, but very different. Um... I mean, honestly, the, the things that they really do share, are like the worst parts of, of what Rockstar does, like the combat, the lock-on aiming. Um, so all the best things, their story, their character development, um, the pacing is completely different from one another. So I don't know if you really need to compare those two. I was just curious about GTA in general. Um, but well, I, that's pretty cool.
2: I noticed, like, the side quests, you know, those are all, like, weird stories and like weird characters they really drag those over like i mean the lattice for red dead redemption 2 is built into gta 5 in the sense that like they definitely springboarded off of it um that's just what i saw but yeah uh number two game of the year was gta 5 from 2013
1: well this this is a drum roll moment for me because i've been very curious uh what's gonna what's gonna be matt's numero uno and i'm about to find out so uh i've got my i've got my my guess but um matt why don't you uh why don't you kill this suspense and let me know where your head's at
0: yeah i I mean it's fairly obvious that you and i probably share the the next two selections it's just a matter of which order they're in um so uh, the big reveal for me at number two uh this is god of war ragnarok for me um you know, excellent title, fun throughout. We just wrapped up, you know, a multi-part recording about where, for the most part, I had nothing but good things to say. Um, you know, it, it's a fantastic title through and through. but And it takes a little risk, but I also felt like at times it played it a bit safe. And that's kind of why it got sawed to the number two for me. And by that, I mean, like, while it did gamble with a few major changes at the very end of the game, there's also... I was slightly disappointing this this is me being an overly you know grumpy gamer but um i thought there was a bit more potential that they could have done rather than sticking to the same engine throughout for the most part uh particularly with the whole ragnarok setting uh laying potential to completely like redo some of the maps and all that but again that's not something i'm gonna hold against the game they made creative decisions that you know everyone raved about and it's a 10 out of 10 title for me but uh yeah, number 2 for best game I played this year.
1: I don't have much complaints about God of War Ragnarok. I thought it was incredible. Um I think the highest praise I can give it is to say that for about 12 hours I had a argument in my head whether or not it was better than Elden Ring. Um but after 12 hours uh it became pretty clear to me like once the uh once the uh post game, you know, like euphoria washed off that um there could only be one, and God of War Ragnarok is my number two as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, we talked about this, I don't know if we need to talk about it more because we talked about it for two and a half hours last week. Um, but Dave, Matt, you guys, any more? Uh, anything more you want to say about this one? I'll,
0: I'll just say that I, I share your sentiment. Like, I, the highest compliment I can give this title is the fact that there was a period of time where I was beginning to convince myself that it may be better than. Yeah, our number one here, which is something none of us expected after the beginning of this year. So, um, you know, that that's huge.
1: Ragnarok, um, I mean, if it had been my number one any other year, you know, I would not have been embarrassed to put it there. And um, I think, like you were saying, if, if it were to have had a shot of Clement number one is if they had somehow managed to do everything they did in a game that was 15 hours shorter um i don't know if that's possible but if they had that probably might have been able to propel it um as it was i mean it'll just have to stand as like one of the best (laughs) best narrative action games i've ever played um so you know high praise
0: yeah no like i said i i think it just came up just a bit lame at the end um and and by lame i just mean like in the racing sense that like it, it had it was neck and neck, and then at the very end, like it just didn't do enough to push it over. And, yeah, I love uh,
1: the ending, but um, I t- look. The bottom line is now, now it's very clear what our number one is. Um, we'll we'll let Dave kind of push through first, but um, there's a reason that uh our number one is our number one, and um, we'll get into it in a minute. But Dave, uh, I know what you're gonna, I know what you're gonna say, but our yeah. audience may not.
2: Yeah, it's the Last of Us too. I mean it's going to take a top one position two years in a row on this show like uh all right so here's the thing like i don't want to like what matt said was very relevant for him but for me this is like a first time playing it through and he brings up some really good points about some stuff but man i played the first one and the first one was a remake of the ps3 version on ps4 and it was a fantastic game but like the sneaky stuff isn't exactly my favorite kind of stuff. So it was something where when Lesson 2 came out, I believe I played it on easy. I'm not sure. I might have played it on normal, but I really got into the combat. And that really, I feel like it was a lot more fluid, you know, and, you know, I felt like it was a bit easier for me to like kind of go Rambo on what I was going after. So that I think really helped it out because for me, it added an action out element to like a pretty what I felt like was a really strong story um I did a lot of research on this one after it and kind of leading up to tonight but you know I I think it's critics some of them have some good points and it's mostly just in the story structure and how that can kind of lose some people but for me I saw I saw like a symmetry or symmetry going on that really kind of like Crescendo at the end you know which was you know like violence begets more violence and there's only a you know there's a few ways to break the cycle but you, you know letting go and forgiving is like one of them and so this game really hit me emotionally like uh like I was like ugly crying at some points in this game you know and that's for me like you know I've cried during some movies and some books but For all the content I've absorbed, like, that's a small percentage of a, you know, that's a rare instance for me, you know, for a video game to kind of touch me at that point, like, I felt like, had to give it so much more respect, because when my whole life, most video games have been like, shoot something, collect points, get to the end, you know, and lately, they've been adding so much more artwork to it and art in the sense of, like where your settings are and like the storytelling aspect of it is so much more stronger. And the fact that you can get actors in a mocap suit to really portray emotion on the way that they do, you know, really made this game stand out to me. So uh, <clears throat> this is my number one. Uh, had I played it last year, it would have been my number one, you know, like, and I know, but everyone knows what Elden Rings can going to be for you guys now because that's just about the last choice. But, you know, like, it's just been an insane year of games for me, you know, and like having done my top 15, there's games that, you know, some people would say that should be your number three or whatnot, but you know, it's just been pretty nuts. And having played last of us two at the very beginning of the year and stuff was a pretty cool experience.
1: Well, there was a moment in uh, Ragnarok pretty i, I don't want to discuss what it was because that's spoiler pretty heavy spoiler territory but it really kind of like hit me and i was talking to you about it dave and i was like oh my god i can't believe this happened like oh it's so emotional and you, you just got yeah but it doesn't hit like last of us 2 does and um dude playing last of us 2 like i would wake up every day just like miserable thinking about what i had experienced the night before but it does it it hits um And all the characters, whether or not they live to tell the tale, um, are just incredible. And, like, I I don't think we need to go too much into this. We spent hours on previous pods. But um, this is still my favorite um, action narrative game over Ragnarok, um, over a a few others that really stand up high. Um, As miserable as I was when I played it, I just... I don't know. It 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 just holds like this resonance that um few other experiences do.
0: Yeah, no, I that's what I was gonna say. Like there was even a brief period of time where I was considering putting it above Ragnarok for me just because some of the story decisions in Ragnarok I felt like didn't take nearly the risks that you experience in Last of Us Two and thus and just the impacts because they are so extreme at times. Um, and even the components of the game that I remember not enjoying a lot, particularly like the walking simulator portions and all that, it just it's so effective though because it, it's it like you had said, Dave, like it's so artistic in those moments that those scenes get entrenched in your mind, and you. so you remember it visually. So that's why replaying it for me was such a awesome experience to like just it be like you know even though it's a long game, be like yeah I remember practically every second of this experience because it's so varied it's so different and it's so gorgeous at every turn so yeah fantastic title and i totally get why you have it as your number one dave
2: also ground zero i think was probably more scary than any of the resident evil village could have at I me. Mean, you know just like knowing that patient zero is down there in this world and like you know what could be waiting down for, you know like and then facing off against the rat king and then um yeah jesse who lived like a badass and died like a bitch it sucked but you know like well he gets like shot in the head as soon as he like runs through the door like come on come on now so
1: <laughs> <laughs> my favorite character jesse
2: <laughs>
1: such a badass um yeah i don't know um Look, Ragnarok is a lot more fun to play than Last of Us Two, and I still consistently see people bitching on Reddit about how they hate Last of Us Two for very fair reasons. You know, I mean, look, this whole—we don't need to get into it, but I think it's very understandable to be angry about this game, basically, for the choices it makes. We don't need to get into what choices those are, but for me, it works. Uh, For me, it tells this absolutely horrifying story um and sometimes you know you don't watch movies or read books or play video games to have fun but to like have an experience and and for me this game was a emotional roller coaster of exp- and um and you know 10 years down the road like you said matt i'm still gonna remember so much of what happened in this game and, and look back upon it in awe
0: yeah, and it's significantly a lot better to play it when you're not in the middle of a goddamn
1: pandemic. I still haven't gone back to Resident Two, Resident Evil Two Remake, which I ditched right as the pandemic hit for said reason. So I, I, I get where you're coming from, Matt.
0: <laughs> all right, well, let's dive into it, Jack. We got number one. We all know what yeah. it is. There's no drum roll. <laughs> There's no drum roll. It's pretty clear. It was the game of the year for a reason. Uh, year, it started off the year and in a way it was almost melancholy that it was so amazing to start off the year in gaming of 2022 with this title because pretty much from day one it was like I don't see how a game would top this and as far as I'm concerned no game did.
1: I went back and listened to our uh, podcast for this game uh, the day after it finished Ragnarok actually <laughs> as part of a f- preparation for this moment. And it was just abundantly clear how incredible the experience was. Um, I put like 150 hours in this game. And like 30 of those were after I got the Platinum. Um, So much to see. So much to experience. I love this, this new world building that these studios have dabbled in. Look, I've only played two. Breath of the Wild and this. But the whole idea where there's no markers on a map, where you can look out and just see so many different ways you can go and choose your own adventure and um, tell your own tale. Uh, Look, this this game is a knockout for me that um, is my PlayStation 5 um, game, number one game as of now.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I remember saying this when we were talking about God of War Ragnarok, where Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where the highest praise I can possibly give this title is the fact that everybody I've spoken to had a completely different experience playing it. Everyone built a different character. Everybody did things in different orders. Everybody prioritized different things. You know, the fact that I can talk to some people and they like their whole time is just making like joke characters where they use the stupidest weapon they just go around trying to like kill random things like make the game overly complicated for for that reason the fact that dave can spend you know hours just hanging out helping people get through the radon boss battle which is such an epic spectacle and he gets to experience it with all these internet strangers just over and over again and probably quite frankly for some of the noobs like it's <laughs> probably just like the best moment of their day is summoning in this op wizard who's just gonna one shot this giant big bad for him but um you know it it really was an interesting year in that it's like you have arguably one of the most charismatic protagonists in a very narrative driven game but is confined to that world and then you have this other one that's a completely open world and you can literally do whatever you want in it and there's lore but the lore only matters if you give a shit and um yeah it was it was an interesting debate between the two but yeah i I can't say enough about the fact that you can literally play this game any way you want and mm-hmm. still end up having a
1: great experience. I remember like sixty hours in being like i've I've seen all there is to see and then you turn a corner and there's something else to see and over and over again that feeling of just being like jaw dropping is really incredible that that they managed to pull this off on something you can experience in your living room um dave i know you mentioned this a few few picks ago shame on you for not having it higher Uh, (laughs) Um,
2: this is so hard (laughs) hard. dude
1: i'm just giving you a hard time um do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share
2: yeah you know i love the moments uh i got a lot of help from you jack like You carried me through, you know, the Academy, basically, because I got to like right where you jumped down into it. And you helped me. You say carry,
1: but the spirits are just as powerful as like a human companion in this game.
2: So You had rivers of blood, my friend. I'm sorry blood is far more stronger than any companion I have <laughs> unless I'm running rivers of blood and I'm running mimics so now you got two assholes running rivers of blood but um nevertheless though but I loved it it was fun because like you had been through there and you're like hey, let's go this way let's go this way you know and like you had a good idea and it was fun for me to have this magic build where i could you know like how do i compliment jack on our fight you know what can i do to make this like you know something that we both get through and you know like the lindell capital you ran me through that which is like near the end and then we went through our like hour and a half long fight with uh, zangief <laughs> where he just whooped the shit out of us and so like you yeah, like yeah, yeah, you like <laughs> dumped your heart and soul and your character died, and I was able to like kind of finish him off. I think that's what happened, but um like comedy <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, just like these these moments where like you do something cool, you know, and it like saved the game, like like Matt mentioned, like me helping bosses out people out and it was like to one help them out but i was also like farming arc runes and stuff which you know was part of my build you know like i always had that activated it juiced up a lot of my stats if not all of them so you know it was just so many different ways to solve the problem i haven't come across so many bosses like moga blood i've never you know i didn't fight him i didn't fight the the time bending dragon that's like in the capital um, I haven't explored the other side of the plateau, the Ice Mountain Plateau. So you know, there's a few bosses over there, and fight the giant snake slash giant face thing that's you know in the lava pits. So there's so much more for me to explore in that game, and I' so tempted to go through with another build like um, Matt's playing Dark Souls Three, and I played that with a giant cleaver, basically in a night suit, and I would love to go back and hit. Elden Ring in that same manner to see like how different the game is because when you play as a mage you know you're going to play completely different than with someone that's wielding a great sword, you know so and there's different endings you can get too you know and I got one of them but you know there's like two more at least so um the, the game's so fantastic and if if we're going to say like just straight only 2022 games like this is my number one right because the other games are 2020 and 2013 so you know this is in a sense like probably the best game I played this year in the sense of 2022 but um yeah fantastic tough list for me uh I bounced around with Elden Ring and got a war for a little bit like I understand the sentiment that you guys went through and then eventually I just I thought about it and it was like Elden Ring though it lacks all these like amazing acted out moments, like, there's so many moments in here that, you know, you know, it's just for you to experience, you don't have another voice guiding you, you know, it's just like, wow, look at this, like, what's in front of me, you know, or like, how am I going to beat this boss, and then the fulfillment of, like, getting through this, like, hurdle that you had, you know, and then a funny thing is, like, some things were easy for me that weren't easy for other people, you know, and I thought that was really cool and interesting, so, I don't know, Great fucking game. Um, I'm glad that they made it more accessible to more uh, players in the sense that, you know, you can summon uh, NPC characters that help you out that are quite considerably powerful. To be honest, there's a few at the top tier that are almost game breaking. And, uh, you know, they made it so that you can explore this wide world that you can run away from your stuff. And that was something that Dark Souls 3 was a little bit tougher to do. You know, so I think they just like knew it was like, okay, it's time to beautify this, you know, uh, equation that we've been working on and make it more accessible for other people to be able to read it and enjoy it. So, and they succeeded.
1: If this is the future of RPGs, I'm going to be a uh, a fan for years to come of where the genre grows. Um, You know. And uh <laughs> Dave making fun of me for <laughs> took me a minute. Dave making fun of me for showing my love for RPGs, which is typically not my mo. But um you know what? Yes, it didn't have the narrative sequences. You do create your own story in this for the most part. Um, but I mean the cutscenes, look, there's there's that battle where there's basically the dead dragon hanging over the fight for the entire first act, and then you beat this guy who was a pain in the ass to kill and he tears the head off the dragon attaches it to his arm and start using it as a flamethrower <laughs> <And, I mean, laughs> that kind of visual like just you know it it's just a blast to kind of go through that world um i, I think from software they're just they're incredible and one of the reasons why the idea of building uh mech from scraps sounds totally tedious to me i'm gonna be picking up armored core six on day one because from software is just like
2: woo. uh yeah like I, I have some stuff noted like you know the whole any quest line takes you like what seal for river where you go down that long long elevator that's like dark except for this like magical floor that you're standing on and then you start catching wisp of like this starry night sky and you're like what's this and then it just like ends up opening up into this like spectacle of an area and then you find out there's other areas like this you know like knock around the city and the Nox stella and yeah the game just goes all over the place you go from lava pits to these like mystical areas where it seems like the stars are like right there for you to touch and there's these nebulas with like palaces in it and all this kind of stuff so yeah they they just really blew the gates open on their imaginations on this one.
0: I was gonna say too, I love the little improvements. Jack, you had touched on it, but like I, I like how they made it so that there's certain components to it. Like you don't you can still go and get everything in a single playthrough. Like you don't have to like replay this game to death to get to experience everything. Like, yeah, you may miss like a brief dialogue session with a character if you come back to it too late but the items will still be available. It's, you know, you can still collect everything. Um I like that there were more save points, you know, closer to bosses a la Sekiro where, you know, there were times where like it felt like it was like cool, I can actually dedicate time to learning how to fight this boss as opposed to getting so pissed off from traversing the level and then getting smoked immediately um and <laughs> rage quitting as a result and and speaking to the rage queen too like from software games are always going to be difficult and they're always going to challenge you and you're always going to have some bullshit deaths mm. throughout but um i think in this one like it was just done in a way where it's like sometimes you just like have to laugh when you lose those thousands of souls or whatever the hell the credits are in this one where you just kind of like cool i i fucked up <laughs> i can get them again and you just kind of move on with your day and you know it, it was it's amazing, like how much you can screw up in this game and like not feel like throwing a controller at the wall, as opposed to playing like a shooting game and getting like sniped and just like losing your shit <laughs> in a stupid FPS. Like this game, you can literally lose that like hours of your life in one fell swoop from a random enemy, and yet for whatever reason, you just move on. So yeah, beautiful world, amazing experience, and by far my game of the year.
1: Well, I think that kind of wraps up our top five uh, because, I mean, look, Elden Ring, uh, is that the uh, undisputed winner this year then? Because (laughs) we had had two two ones and a number three. Um, Well, look, like I was saying earlier in the pod, we've played a ton of games this year, and um, there was a bunch I wanted to talk about, but I didn't want to, like, rain on – in case they were part of your top five, I didn't want to start talking about, you know, I assume Cult to the lamb would be like a top two game for Matt. So <laughs> um, that being said, Cult to the lamb was uh, I'll just, I'll just shoot it up. Cult to the clam was one of many games this year that I played that I just enjoyed the heck out of. And the fact that we all three played it together and like compared our experiences, similar to Elden Ring. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, little, little, haiti slash management sim um and we all played it in very different ways so
2: yeah that ended up being my number seven on the list like i <laughs> um i had like resident evil village is seven and culto is six but i really kind of like ended up switching that recently um i'm glad that like it ended up being a game that both you guys enjoyed. Like it was kind of a dice roll, but I was like, it's not too expensive and it's got some mechanics that they're gonna appreciate and there's gonna the artwork in it is pretty cool. It's a little bit morbid, kind of like me, you know, and it has that element of base building and stuff that I like. So um I kind of was like proud of myself, petting myself once I was like, What do you think? And both you guys were like, Yeah, I'm totally gonna play through this. This is actually legit. So um um, that was really for me. But yeah, um, <laughs> I love the fact that I was able to like just power level myself through base building to the point where like the, the last enemies were trivial.
1: The reason I bring this cult of the Lamb up first is actually uh, it, it's the third game that we picked together to play. Uh, Matt, you had Ragnarok. I was Inscription, and Dave, you Pick cult of the Lamb uh, as a game that we all were forced to play this year together and talk about on a pod. And I think it's pretty cool that every single one of our games kind of hit and on, on some level, you know. I don't think, you know, look, all of our games didn't end up in all of our top fives, but um, I think we all got enjoyment out of it. And we played a ton of games together this year. And, and it's just, you know, when you get at this – elderly stage in our lives um where where you just don't have like that community of gamers to play with online it adds an extra something special to have you guys to kind of run through these games and be able to you know do that old playground thing uh we'll show up at work and talk about it and so um added a lot to this year having all these titles like shredders revenge returnal which i did not like but still, I like talking about why I didn't like it and how much I hated getting my ass kicked. Um, we played a lot of games together this guys, this year, guys, and uh, it, it's, it's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, likewise. I liked uh, being able to say I beat Returnal so I can forever lord that one <laughs> over you, Jack.
2: <laughs> I I really enjoyed uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. That ended up being my number 11, but... Uh... For for us three to be playing this like arcade quarters game, I, for me was like a great moment where it's like, oh, here's uh two dudes I love, but now they're going back in time with me and they're being the the two kids that were on the other side of me flanking you know playing this game along with me in the you know arcade. So uh, for me that was definitely a special moment. I mean, yeah. is 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 it a great game? Eh, it's it's pretty good, but you know. That
0: could have easily been in my top five had it not been buggy with the <laughs> online play mm-hmm. um, because yeah, we we got right derailed down. multiple times playing it. And it was a real shame because the actual game experience was just a blast because you're right, Dave, like that caught that experience in a bottle of just that, like hanging out in an arcade and you just kind of talking out of your ass while you're focused on the game at hand and even though all you're doing is smashing two buttons the whole time it's still commands all your attention but um and yeah and all the nostalgia factor to it too but unfortunately the bugs just rendered it um at to a level that i couldn't rate it that high but yeah great experience playing with you boys
1: well one of the things i wanted to do is i, I talked about spider hack my number four game of the year but there was a few other games that were not on anybody's radar this year that i just think is a shame and um the one that jumped out is the 2021 release Elder Lily's Quietest of the Night which is uh was was on my uh was on my top 5 list until it got knocked out by Ragnarok um and 2D platformer but look i've been looking for something to kind of like keep me keep me uh you know uh satiated until Silk Song comes out sometime this year hopefully and this is just an excellent example of a metro a platformer with beautiful graphics and i didn't hear about it anywhere um it was it was fantastic um electronic super joy 2 Combinera, two uh 2d very different 2d platformers that nobody talks about and um i don't know i think it's just a, it's just it goes to show how many amazing games are out there that there's these examples that i don't know you could check them out now if you like 2d platformers you're gonna love them but uh, not everybody does
0: i love that you bring those up only because when i was doing research right before we went online here of the games that came out in 2022 uh when i was trying to think of games i want to go back and play i saw those ones i'm like who the fuck plays this shit i've never heard of this <laughs> and then lo and behold here we are hours later oh yeah you gotta check out Combinera or whatever the hell it's called
1: <laughs> look the puzzles and platforming in Combinera. look you you at one point you control five different balls at the same point through this platforming section they all have different abilities so even though you're using the same functions on all five they're all they're all doing something different and you've got to solve puzzles puzzles that are time related and Look, my one knock about Combineria, the one reason it going higher is it was so damn hard that I got about, I, don't know, I think somewhere between like eight to 10 hours in. I couldn't I couldn't go any further. It was too difficult. Um, but if you like little indie gems like that, um, it's it's a go pick it up. It's awesome. Um, you guys have anything on your list, like games that are just kind of flying under the radar that uh, you want to. Um,
0: I don't actually have any one of them. I I have a whole slew of backlog games I need to get to, so I haven't really been picking too much attention to that. I am uh, anxiously awaiting uh, that AEW wrestling game. Uh, which is yeah, that's right. rumored to be releasing uh supposedly it's supposed to release after christmas which if if anything's gonna tell you it's probably gonna be a dog shit title it's if you're you're looking to release immediately after christmas <laughs> so um uh, yeah it, it's not looking good boys it's really not um i was really excited about you know initially when they launched and everything they were talking up but one of the comical things about this age we're in of fast moving things and high levels of controversy in professional wrestling is that a lot of people who were on the roster when they created the game and programmed it are no longer in the, in the company. So it's going to be really awkward when the game gets released and half the people aren't relevant anymore. So.
1: That's a bad sign for quality.
0: <laughs> it really is. And not to mention the box art was designed with one of said people who has been on suspension indefinitely and is actually would be fired if they weren't paying him so much money so they're literally paying him to stay home and he's front and center on the box cover. So um, it's it's going to be an ugly uh, sly release probably like the first week of January, but um I'm still going to pick it up and probably force you guys to play it with me at some point.
2: Well, I'm totally down. Um <clears throat> I yeah, I like mentioned when you play Sifu and uh Requiem or uh or yeah, you know what I'm talking about, but um, I think Final Fantasy 16 is definitely going to be like they're returning to like the high fantasy like standard in this one. You know, I've watched enough of the teaser trailers and stuff. So it's like, hey, this is knights with big swords, and yeah, they're going to be wielding magic. But you know, it's like that's the Final Fantasy that I knew and like fell in love with before seven really kind of turned the tides, which I think it's cool that they were like, hey, we need, to, we need to do something else with this before it just kind of rots. And now I feel like they're going to come back and be like, oh, it's time to bring back like the high fantasy world of this. So pretty stoked about that. Um, yeah.
1: Well, are there any other games you guys played this year that kind of, you know, I mean, everything can't make it on the top five.
2: Yeah, like, I played Fallout 3 and Fallout uh, New Vegas. They made it on my top 15, but I think, frankly, without the expansions that, you know, like, have been snowballed into, like, the package of the game that people talk about now, like, those games felt not as strong, and I think, one, is partially the fact that I felt like I played incomplete versions of the game, but... the fact that going so deep back into the systems time was also like a pretty jarring experience, especially for fallout three. So that definitely played a lot on those games. And I felt like maybe if I had played them when they first came out, like that would be a different experience for me because <clears throat> though they're, they, they're not like the pinnacles of like what a system could do, like back then they were much stronger, you know, and today's standards are much higher. So um, Yeah. Those were definitely some interesting, like, where do I fit these games in? Um,
0: Yeah, I had three of them that really kind of jumped to to mine uh, and to the Gungeon. Uh, In terms of overall um, fun experience, like this one had contention for the top five, but I just hit that wall. And Jack, you said it perfectly of just it's like, I'm not good enough at these games to really get into the challenge component after a certain point, like I, I know when I've reached kind of my max and unfortunately I hit it around the fourth level and I didn't have the ability to persevere. You know, I did do that with hotline Miami, the original, but it's a little different. It's a little shorter levels and it's just a little less of the, you know, randomness that plagues it for me.
1: There's always like a trickiness to like, cause we're, we're scaling these games, like how much we like these games, but so much of it is based on how difficult they are when you get into some of these random ones and enter the gungeon is the perfect example of a game that I would have liked a lot more if it had been a little easier, a little bit more forgiving. Um, you know, I mentioned Combinera uh, a minute ago of, of, of a game that like, just, I really thought they had some wonderful ideas and good execution, but for me as a gamer and, and, you know, we're, think we're pretty good. We're not, you know, we're not experts. We're not pros, but we're, we can hold our own, you know, um, at a certain point, a lot of these games just get too difficult to enjoy. Uh, Returnal was an example of that for me this year as well, where, um, the frustration I felt get my ass kicked just, uh, took away from my enjoyment factor. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Honestly, if I hadn't done, Persevered through returnal. I don't I probably could have brought myself to do it with Enter the Gungeon, but I, I'm not doing two of those in one year. Like <laughs> I, I don't even know if I have another one in me for a while. And but I put a ton of hours into Gungeon. I enjoyed all of them. Um a title that we should, you know, dedicate a few minutes to because we we all played it, uh Disco Elysium um best book I read this year
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh only book I picked up this year
2: (laughs) Also pretty quickly the book I wrote a thesis on for getting the platinum (laughs) I guess like um I love going after the platinum this was like right after um I left my job, so I was pretty much unemployed at the time. And I was like, what am I going to do? And video games was a big part of it. And I have a feeling that was a big reason why I have so many big games under my belt this year. But <clears throat> I love, I, I played the game a while ago. I completed a while ago, but this was a game I respected enough to get the platinum on. And being forced to go down these roads that, you know, I wouldn't have gone on, like, if I was just straight playing it was really interesting, you know, going down the communist route. uh, I went down the fascist route and that one hurt, you know, that one I definitely just guided it, you know, where I was like, okay, I need to hit these points and like, I can be done with this trophy. But, you know, there's just so many other things that like, if if you chase the trophies, you get to experience like, you know, Kuno can be your detective. (laughs) At some point your co-detective, you know, just the thought of Kuno running around, you know, as your backup partner is just like an insane thought. And in the game, it's so fun because it's a side of Kuno that you probably just never see because there's no one in the right mind that would ever want this kid, you know, backing him up. But yet, you know, I, I beat the game with him as my partner. So it was just such a wild ride. And, uh, you know, part of that, Reason why I love that game is it just touches so much on like addiction and, you know, like letting go of like past traumatic events and then current social events. So um, it's kind of a shame what's happening to the studio right now. Um, but, you know, hopefully, you know, like the right thing happens and they get a chance to, you know, make another statement about what the world they were building on. So,
0: yeah, like I said, I, th- I thought it was a wonderful experience. Uh, um, I wasn't in a place where I could really fully appreciate some of the extent of the writing just because I reached a point where I just started having to skip through portions of it, even though there was clearly so much thought poured into it. Um, I, I respect the hell out of it, though. It, it, to me, it was like the equivalent of reading like a, an author's like life's work manuscript put into a video game format and it, it was an awesome experience in that regard. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it was quite the tale. Um, and you know, one other game I'll, I'll briefly mention just because it's in a similar vein, um, touching again, like I, I really do enjoy these, those card slash combat games that, uh, you know, Jack is obviously he probably the biggest fan of, of our group, but also, in general, like, I think we all enjoy them to a degree, so I, I did play Darkest Dungeon, the original. Um, um, it, it's not worthy by any means of being in the top five, even even a top ten, personally, but I did like the gameplay loop after I got used to it. It's So, uh, I mean, it's that, a little that... awkward at times, but, yeah, it, it's, I am slightly intrigued by it, the sequel, I'll say
1: that. There's, there's a Big audience to that game that just enjoy the hell out of it. It, it. I'm with you, Matt. It wasn't my particular gameplay loop that I get sucked into, um, but I I get it. I mean, there's a lot of people who are obsessed with that game, and I don't fault them for it. Well, um, look, I uh, there was a trifecta of. Those top-down isometric adventure games like inspired by zelda matt you're you're laughing at me (laughs) look i love (laughs) i love my my retro indie games um but three i played this year were really damn cool and very unique from one another the most um like by the book was death's door which is just a great execution um but i played this game chicory uh that is a black and white game except for the paint you add to it you know you you basically your powers are a paintbrush and um very mature storyline um that just kind of um makes you think and um you kind of get pulled into the world of 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 these people and um one thing that I was looking forward to on the, this, this pod was uh, I thought we might do like best music of the year. I don't know if we'll end up doing that, but this was going to be one of my picks. So I looked it up to kind of do some research and I did not know, but this is the same um, artist who does the soundtrack for Celeste, um, which I thought was pretty damn cool because the soundtrack for Celeste is badass. but this sounds completely different. Like, where Celeste is a lot of, um, like synthesizers. This is a way more organic, um, set of instruments that is being used. And it's, it's probably, you know, samples and whatnot, but, oh man, it, it really propels the game forward in a lot of cool ways. And, um, Chikori was a game that, um, really kind of, uh, I struggled with at some points because it's not like a very gameplay like heavy, but man, looking back, it's just so many cool moments in that game that, uh, really got a lot. And then finally, I got to give it up for Joseph Ferris, who, um, for a third year in a row has a game in my top 10, um, brothers, a tale of two sons, his first game, which you could not play multiplayer uh, co-op as you do with his last two. I just, you know, I had so much love for It Takes Two and A Way Out that I had to give it a shot and I was freaking the fact that this is a single player game but you have to control two characters with your controller simultaneously, solve puzzles, um handle a whole ton of emotional resi- like baggage and um there's a couple moments in the story that really hit. Um I I think you guys should check it out. I think you'd like it and um yeah. Uh like four or five hours. Um that guy knows how to make a game and I can't wait to see what the follow-up to it takes Two is. Hopefully it's coming sometime in the next year or two.
0: No, I, I played through that one years ago, um, on the recommendation from our uh buddy Tool Geek. And um yeah, I actually uh very impressed by that. A very emotionally moving for a game that has very minimal dialogue if any really and um yeah it's really was impressive how much is packed into like you said jack maybe a four or five hour experience tops so uh great game definitely highly recommend for anybody looking for a quick one
1: well shoot is that 2022
0: (laughs) i think that about sums it up boys Thanks so much for another year in the books of podcasting. This is our third edition of this uh, particular episode. So uh, pretty, pretty exciting that we've managed to keep this going this long.
1: Well, um, one thing that we introduced this last year was the fact that we all get to pick a game. This year, Plummer has already ruined that experience by (laughs) picking his game two weeks before the year ends. Seven-year-old game that I already announced I don't like, Witcher 3. <laughs> no, um, I'm looking forward to playing The Witcher 3, actually, and talking about it with you guys. Because, um, you know, it, it definitely brings a new experience, as we've talked about with The Last of Us Part Two, Ragnarok. It just brings so much more when you kind of have people to kind of uh, usher you through the emotional, uh, you know, and narrative journey that a lot of these games are. So, looking forward to that.
2: I got to say with the PS5 update, it's, I don't want to say it's almost like they made the game this year, but, you know, it looks like they made the game like last year or two years ago, especially if you put the ray tracing option on. So um,
1: Visually, I agree. Whew, I don't know. We'll see. I, I only fought a couple like minions, but the combat was rough after playing it takes. Dragon Rock.
2: It takes oh yeah, it takes a bit of practice, and it's gonna be pretty different, you know, so if you try to approach it the same way, you're gonna have a rough time, but um eventually you kind of realize like the combat is like not the forefront of this game, like it's like this super cool character, like the different stuff you can get them into and through and that kind of stuff and so uh yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying we gotta play this immediately, but you know uh i'm hoping at some point we can all enjoy this game and i'm looking forward to starting it over you know with you guys in this like new updated world
0: i already know i'm gonna spend more time playing the card game than i'm actually gonna do the damn quest line so
2: (laughs) that
1: was my original experience (laughs) yeah and now that i've uh, found Slate the spire (laughs) i it's not gonna it's not gonna shepherd me along this time around (laughs) um Gentlemen, I'd, I'd still like to go over our favorite boss battles sometime in the next couple of months. What do you think about that one?
0: I think that's I on the list. Um, I think I have a few guests lined up for us in the near future, so All right. we can Very look cool. into that. Um, I, my favorite episode of the year is when we do kind of a recap of favorite episodes of the year. So, um, that'll probably be next. Oh, okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, we have a number of them coming up on through the pipeline. So, uh, forward to another year boys
2: oh yeah yeah man it's uh you say we you know this is our third you know go at our favorite games of the year but it doesn't feel that way and i'm really glad like to be gaming with you guys and to have to, like, have a game where it's, like, I know you guys are going to play Witcher 3, even though you probably don't want to, but, like, we'll be able to shoot <laughs> the shit. And hopefully you'll find something. I can help you guys find something to appreciate about it, you know? So
0: I, I'm uh, actually excited because you and I played through Cyberpunk. Um, So I, I'm actually excited to see what the studio, like, their actual, like, big hit. and And I'm on record. Like, I'll say Cyberpunk, for as much as we trashed it when it came out, like... The way it's being kind of remarketed since that anime came out is basically saying like, if you treat it like just a first person shooter, it's an okay game. Like it's probably an eight out of 10. It's when you say everything it was hyped to be with these RPG elements and everything that it's supposed to be this open world, amazing experience. That's what real disappointment came from on top of all the bugs and ugly shit from the early going. But now that they've hammered all that out and now that really people are kind of on board with just saying it's just a run and gun, like I'm excited to see what the studio actually dedicating their time to a true RPG experience, like why people were so hyped up, like why I was reading so many articles and people online like ranting and raving about CD Projekt Red and how, how amazing they are. Um, so I, you know, obviously Witcher 3 is kind of the pinnacle of their efforts. So, uh, that part, I'm, I'm excited to experience it cool All right boys was well, that wrap it up
2: Yeah great year 2020 was
1: Merry Christmas
0: <laughs> Happy Hanukkah
2: Happy Kwanzaa